Tom, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. A little sweaty. It's a little hot here in D.C. because it was built on a swamp. So it is pretty hot. Magonads, not doing so great. It's rash season, baby. All right. That's a way to start a podcast. Tom, I got a question for you. Hit me. Let's say in a hypothetical, someone you knew told you that they had a girlfriend, but she lived in Canada. Hypothetically, though. Hypothetically speaking? Hypothetically speaking. Would you go to Canada and try to find this girlfriend? Absolutely. And then I would try to seduce her and marry her because only I can be loved. Would you, even if he had brought the girlfriend from Canada to see you, would you still go to Canada to try to find her? Absolutely, and why wouldn't I? Canada's a beautiful, beautiful country, Eric. See, but I didn't ask whether you wanted to go to Canada. I said, would you go to Canada to find her, even though she was already with this guy where you were already? Well, yes, I mean, of course, because then I could go visit Ronto. Tom, in that case, I have another question for you. Yeah. Do you want to be a conquistador? Abso-fucking-lutely not, my guy. Ah, we found the line, and that's where the uh, (laughs) theme song's gonna come in. My name is Eric McAdams. This is a podcast about incompetence on a grand scale. With me today is my friend Tom Lockney. Say hi, Tom. Hi, Tom. Oh, that was cute. Thank you. Tom is part of the podcast Media Majors, this podcast's weird stepfather. Yeah. The stepfather that maybe drinks a little more than he should, but is not a danger to anybody. Media Majors is a, storing tele- a storytelling podcast about major media. Just like this is a storytelling podcast about stories from history where a lot of people made big-time whoopsies. The, our story today is called El Dorado. Fun. Let's go. Take me. Whisk me away, Eric. Not to Canada, but to South America. You're. Oh, you already know so much about this. I know. I'm practically a fucking expert. I know what the conquistadors were. I'm going to take you to what is now Colombia, where dwelt a people known as the Muisca. The Muisca people were a confederation of tribes that had lived in what is now Colombia for hundreds of years, dating back from around 800 CE when they first settled the area. They had two different kinds of rulers known as Zipas and Zaques. The only one that concerns us is the Zipa. Okay. Because he was in charge of the of presenting offerings to the gods. Occasionally, this apparently meant human sacrifice. But by around 1500, human sacrifice had yeah. stopped being a thing. Well, listen, we all we all did dumb stuff when we were kids. Another couple thing, another couple interesting things that the Muisca were reputed to do were one, their leaders would not were it was it was not a patrilineal line. A father would not give leadership to his son okay instead he would give it to his nephew through his sister huh that's a that's a weird way to approach 
This is not, they're not actually the only culture to do that. It's because you can't actually be sure with ancient technology that the child that your wife bore is actually your son. Oh, that does make some sense. But if it's your sister and her son, you know you share blood. Okay. <laughs> you can be sure that your nephew is related to you. Blood hierarchies just fuck me up, okay? But I guess but I guess there's too much of a chance that your own wife was unfaithful and got impregnated by another man. Ugh, women, am I right? Yeah, this is definitely a story where women are the bad guys. <laughs> Uh, and one other thing that they were reputed to do, I'm not sure this is actually considered fact. They were the warriors of the, uh, of the Getcha. Um, oh, the I'm gonna getcha. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure of the pronunciation. Were reputed to wear the mummies of their ancestors on their backs into battle. Okay, that fucking owns so hard. Oh my god. Hey, grandma. Hey, grand. Okay, my. Okay, which. Neither of my grandmothers are dead yet. Hang on. Grandpa. Both my grandpas? Very dead. Very dead. Hey, grandpa. I'm gonna. I'm gonna coach you in the blood of my enemies, and and your soul or whatever is gonna be fucking psyched about it. Aren't you glad we didn't cremate you like you wanted? Oh no 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 no! <laughs> I'm going to wear you on my back in a battle because I fucking own. One last thing. I said that the Zipa was the t- was the leader that concerned us for this story mm-hmm. because the Zipa was the one who, in his inauguration ceremony would bathe in the waters of Lake Guatavita okay. and throw gold trinkets into the water. Uh, gold a- was was not a symbol of wealth to the Muisca. It was solely meant as an offering. It, there, there was a valuable pretty thing that they gave to the gods. Still a waste. Hey, listen, commodity fetishism. You can make anything a commodity. Look at this. Look at this empty water bottle here. It's commodity now because I say it is. Capitalism. Boom. The Muisca people were not... Their, their mining typically found emeralds more than gold. They did have a little bit of gold uh, in their ancestral lands. However, most of the gold that they had was bought from other tribes. And again, I will say the Muisca were not a singular empire like the Aztecs or the Incas. They were a confederation of tribes that did, they did fight a lot uh, just for territory or other things. Hmm. I tell you this... Because in the early 1500s, Europeans colonized South America and bathed it in blood. Oh boy, did they ever. Hachimachi. By 1514, the first permanent Spanish settlement was made. By 1525, the settlement of Santa Marta was founded. And it was in Santa Marta where they started to hear rumors of a Muisca king of legend who used to bathe in the waters of a sacred lake and throw gold into its waters. And there, they figured, would be the font of all the riches that they found the native peoples wearing. That's that's stupid. That's a dumb thing to think. Gold was pretty frequent as far as uh, Europeans were concerned. They kept finding native people with gold, and they didn't think native peoples valued it that much. So clearly they must be a ton of it somewhere inland. Obviously that's how that works, yeah. Rumors start to spread, and this is not the first time that outlandish rumors overtook the real story in a European settlement about the indigenous people. There are multiple accounts of, actually, in, in different cultures in South America, the Aztecs, the Incas, and the Muisca, they tend to have some kind of mythical hero who brought 
agriculture and learning to their tribe that you, you know the ba- the well, yeah, general you know th- there's there's like folklore like everything has that like god brought mana from heaven to moses and his peeps in the desert fuck if i if i had been wandering in the desert for 40 fucking years and my god was like okay here's some bread and water i would be like fuck this i'm gonna i'm <laughs> i'm greek orthodox now <laughs> nice try god that's yeah trying to gotta wake up pretty early in the morning to put one over old tom lockney god maybe next time drop some like ribeye from the sky Ugh. is that is that really that's what you go for ribeye uh, instead of bread no you... i mean if that but if that's the one food you get to have would it be ribeye because i love ribeye steak DiGiorno supreme pizza raining from the sky you're a psychopath back to our story please these mythical heroes were tended to be depicted as human, and they also tended to have what Europeans interpreted to be a beard. Interpreted as a beard? How do you interpret? I interpret that you have a beard because you have face growing, you have hair growing out of your fucking face. No, no, Tom, these are mythical heroes that they're hearing in the language that they don't speak. Okay. So they hear these myths and they interpret it to mean that these heroes are bearded and the native peoples of the Americas do not typically have prominent facial hair. They can grow, they, they could grow facial hair, but it wasn't as full and as thick as Europeans were used to. Listen, I could grow it out if I wanted to. I just don't. Sure. Whatever you say, Tom. However, it's more likely that these heroes in these stories had some kind of wreath of feathers underneath their chin, something that was constructed, but mm. Europeans interpreted it as a beard, and they and that meant to them that there might have been some kind of European influence back in the past that brought <sighs> agriculture to God. the savages of the Americas. These fucking I I can't I can't believe being that stupid europeans in this time thought that they were the only ones who had any kind of higher learning all the savages must have learned this from them somehow because everything also revolves around europeans you see i mean at this fucking point they just like just figured out that the world was not a flat plane like these people are are brain dead stupid tom that's not actually true well you know what christopher they knew they knew the earth was round when columbus sailed the ocean blue yeah they had just figured it out in 1492 this is the 1500s no 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 they they already knew when he sailed oh really yeah uh columbus columbus thought he wasn't groundbreaking in his idea that the world was round he just thought that the world was much smaller than it actually was oh well i know that he wasn't like the first guy to come up with the round earth but they thought that there were that there were no continents between uh europe and asia Mm. so if their calculations about the size of the earth were correct you would never be able to make that whole journey all the way across what is the Pacific and Atlantic Ocean. Okay. And what and the 3000 miles of Land continent mass, in between yeah. those. But just so you know, that's okay. a myth. Columbus was really stupid and thought the earth was smaller than it actually was and he just happened to run into land. Okay. That's why he thought it was uh India. I mean, I guess I was lied to in school then. Well, yeah. Part of why people think the earth is flat now is because of how many oh lies God. they heard growing up in school. School is bad. We shouldn't send our kids <laughs> to school. Okay, listen. School is very good. We Tom. should just... It's just... 
our schools tend to be pretty bad. We should just give them an internet connection and Google and be like, you got questions? Like, I just go. <laughs> yeah, that definitely won't lead anywhere <laughs> Yeah, bad. of course not. There are no drawbacks to this right? plan. Right? Thank God websites like 4chan, 8chan, and Reddit have been stricken from the net. Yeah, they don't exist. Oh, God. There's also no dark web or porn. Okay. <laughs> So, these rumors about El Dorado, the gilded one in Spanish, and the and in this case, El Dorado referred to a gilded man because he was reputed to have spread gold dust on himself before bathing yeah. in the waters. The Dorado. Yeah, El Dorado, yeah. He... <laughs> these rumors spread for about 10 years when oh Gonzalo de Jimenez de Quesada one of the conquistadors in Santa Marta at the time, sets out in 1536 with 800 soldiers. And he goes to his friends and he says, hey, did you hear about the Dorado? I heard. Their main goal in this mission was to find an overland route to Peru. But at some point they said, fuck that. And said, we'll look for El Dorado instead. And they destroyed native villages along the way. By the time they made it to their actual destination, about a year later, less than 200 of the soldiers were still alive. That's good. That's a good thing. I I support the death of genocidal maniacs. (laughs) Because I think what some people may not realize about the conquistadors in South America is that they wore heavy clothing and they were not used to the infectious diseases or the climate of South America. Oh my god, so, so much diarrhea. Endless diarrhea. A lot of people in this time period shat themselves to death. Wait, are you fucking serious? I was joking. Yeah, dysentery, bowel, oh, bowel problems. I love dysentery. Th- dysentery conceptually just, like, makes me giddy. Half the time when you're looking at, like, casualty reports from old wars... Half of the casualties that don't come from directly the field of battle were just people shitting themselves to death. That's so funny. That's oh god, I want to die like that. That would be no, so. No, you don't. It would Tom. be so funny though, because I would you be. You complain. You complain vocally every time you have diarrhea. Well, yeah, but like it would be funny if I died from it. You wouldn't be able to laugh because you'd be dead. And you'd have died from shitting yourself to death. Well, I would, I would, like, in my last moments of life, I would have the cognizance to go, like, this is a pretty fun goof. I don't think it's a goof if you die at the end. Well, uh, listen, tomato, tomato, goofado, goofado? Moving on. <laughs> Gonzalo Pizarro, <laughs> one of the primary conquistadors, also tried to find it. He dis- He did discover the Amazon River. And did kill a lot of native people, but he didn't discover much else. Okay. We'll talk more about Gonzalo Pizarro, a.k.a. one of the worst people alive ever, <laughs> in a later episode. Oh my god. Listeners can't see the, the, the face and the intensity with which Eric delivered that line, but... I'm hoping I conveyed it in an auditory fashion. He leaned so, in real close to the mic. Dozens more expeditions are launched trying to find El Dorado. It is at this point 
that it starts that rumors start to kind of morph from just being a golden man to maybe some kind of golden lake, some kind of golden settlement. I don't think we've progressed as far as a golden city just yet. So we're playing like colonial telephone here, huh? Pretty much. Huh. And I, I guess they just kind of stopped listening to things that the Muisca people told them. At some point, the rumors just got trapped on the European side and just exploded from there well listen why would you listen to the people who've been living in the land for years and years and years when you're a brilliant white person well i'll tell you why they didn't it's because they didn't consider them human yeah that would do it uh... so dozens more expeditions are, are are sent out to find this and here's the thing that a lot of people don't know spoiler alert they found el dorado really they did. I told you that the, that the sacred lake that the Zipa of the Muisca people would bathe in with his gold trinkets was Lake Guatavita. Well, because I saw... They found Lake Guatavita. I saw the Disney movie, and uh, I learned something different from that. DreamWorks movie. DreamWorks movie. Listen, it's all the same. So, they found <laughs> Lake Guatavita. And uh, this is sometime around 1545, and there is an and they realize that this is the lake that the Muisca people were talking about, and some kind of attempt is made to drain the lake. I will make a disclaimer here. I'm working like my main research tool for this because this is designed to be an overview kind of podcast. My main research tool is Wikipedia, but I do back that up with more scholarly uh, sources. I like I make sure that we. That what Wikipedia says is backed up somewhere. Mm -hmm. This is not backed up anywhere. There's no... And on Wikipedia, it says that uh, Gonzalo Jimenez de Quesada's brother, Hernán, was the one who led the expedition that actually tried to drain Lake Guadavita. Only it says that this happened in 1545, and Hernán de Quesada died in 1544. Well, obviously his ghost did it then, I think. I guess. There are also legends that uh, Hernan's partner uh, was was uh, the lover of one of the most beautiful indigenous women that anyone had ever seen. And once he died, she killed herself and her child in Lake Guatavita. I'm sure that account is not overcompensation at all for horrible insecurities. Here's the thing about the about the legends that you'll find from this area is that a lot of it's just kind of made up to sound good. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's like, listen, okay, listen, my views don't reflect the views of Eric, the host of this podcast, but it's like the Bible, which is, you know, a bunch of, of stories or, or it's yeah. like, it's like any folklore. It's just like made up shit to make a point and craft a, craft a narrative. And, and so one of our primary sources of information in this time period comes from a man named Juan Rodriguez Frail, and it is noted by scholars today that these that historians of this time would just kind of make stuff up and put it with the the truth however frail is in in his book el carnero uh whose full title is el carnero la conquista y descubrimiento del nuevo reino de granada de las indias occidentales del mar oceano y fundación de la ciudad de santa fe de bogotá eric i don't speak very good spanish you might have to it's okay translate. all you have to know is that el carnero means the sheep okay god can you imagine how easy it would have been to be white back then you could just like 
Like seriously, like you could like like seriously, this whole fucking thing is this this dumbass's book that's apparently just like all made up bullshit. All you need is a pen and paper and write and like fucking like awesome. I'm rich now because I'm white and I can write. <laughs> so that's the thing. We know that a lot of the stuff in these stories gets made up, except he's the one who talked about the Muisca people having this ritual where they threw stuff into Lake Guadavita, and that turned out to be completely true. Oh wow. Huh. Because not just so when they when they drain Lake Guadavita in 1545, whoever it was who did this, they did find some gold trinkets on the lake floor, on the sides of the lake. From what they were able to, apparently, it took them three months to drain what they did, and they only managed a little bit because they were just using buckets to drain oh the lake. Oh my god, the dumbest shit. And these people were paid by kings and royalty. Hey, hey, Queen Elizabeth, <laughs> give me like four grand to drain a lake with buckets like a fucking idiot would do. <laughs> and oh. they, find, they find the equivalent of about a hundred thousand US dollars today. A hundred? A hundred thousand. A hundred thousand to drain from a lake with buckets? For three months' work with dozens and dozens and maybe probably hundreds of workers on this, they managed to find $100,000. And you split that between, like, the 200 soldiers left. Oh, fuck it. Like, you might as well just kill me. Like, just do that instead. Save us all a lot of time and effort. It was not a ton of money. So they kind of went home and then died. Who cares? (laughs) (laughs) So they did find gold, which lends credence to the idea that the Muisca ruler used to throw gold into the lake they also later much 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 later i think in the 20th century people found a gold molding like in gold describing literally the scene that frail described that was made by the muisca people damn so frail was on the money this time you know i guess even a broken clock is right twice a day over the course of this period a lot of other people keep looking for el dorado even though it had been found Wait, so did nobody, like, know it had been found? Well, see, here's the thing. Conquistadors are really stupid. Okay. Yeah, I... And they assume because it wasn't, like, unimaginable wealth, like they had been promised, it can't have been the real El Dorado. Yeah, so, like... The real El Dorado had to be out there somewhere. Like a city literally made out of gold or something. Like, literally a city made out of gold. People from other nations try to find it. It's not just the Spanish. There are, like, Germans try to get in on this. Like... People just keep sending people over to South America to die, essentially. One of these missions had on it a man named Lope de Aguirre. He set out in 1560 with a crew going up the Amazon River trying to find El Dorado. It didn't go well. I don't know if you happen to have seen Werner Herzog's movie, Aguirre, The Wrath of God. I have not, but I would imagine it is a a fucking real bummer. (laughs) I mean, a a movie called The Wrath of God is probably not going to be, like, super duper upbeat. Lope de Aguirre, nicknamed The Madman, which is just, that's a great start. Yeah. Just off the top, off off the crack of the bat there. Lobe de Aguirre, in the movie, leads a mutiny, kills the leader, succeeds the next leader, takes control of the expedition, kills hundreds of his own men, smashes pretty much every native village that he comes across on his way down the Amazon, 
then makes it to the coast pursued by by people going like hey maybe stop killing us decides to create his own country with himself as the king and his daughter as his queen that is like literal that's literally like a fallout 3 subplot that's what happens in the movie and tom yeah it's not far off from what happened oh my fucking god and you know what i've never understood that like if somebody if somebody took charge and was just like i'm just gonna kill a bunch of you guys i hope you don't mind i would be like uh i guess i'm gonna kill you now and does anybody have a problem with that i don't think they do (laughs) agire assisted by a portuguese shoemaker named yamoso Mm. Did kill hundreds of his own men. Did smash tons of native villages as he goes as he went down the Amazon. Listen, this is why I don't trust cobblers. Killed his own daughter. Oh my god! Why? So that she wouldn't fall into enemy hands. Oh Christ! Uh, that's such a fucking classic. Like we gotta protect our white women bullshit. And Ugh, then was killed less than a month later himself. Thank God. Before he was killed. He sent a letter to Spain declaring his own nation, and he also wrote, I'm not sure if it was in a letter or a journal or what, he wrote, The reports are false. There is nothing on the river but despair. Good. Well, I'm glad he had a real hard go of it, at least. Yeah, and uh, that's that's where the podcast ends. Oh. Wow. Just kidding, Tom! Of course that's not where it ends! Oh my god, are you fucking serious? Why would they stop looking for El Dorado now? They just found it and killed a lot of people (laughs) trying to find it. Why would they stop now? I don't know. Because because this is where like a like a sensible nation would end the podcast is at like, well, I guess there's nothing here then. In in 1580, (laughs) a man named Antonio de Sepulveda, a royal contractor, was hired. To drain Lake Guatavita again. Again, though. This time they had a more industrial method. They cut a notch into the rim of the lake because it's a volcanic lake and built in a basin. They get it down much further and they get a lot more money from the lake floor. Yeah. They can't get it anymore because the notch collapses and laborers die by the dozens trying to replace it. Oh my god. So, they get a lot more money, and he goes back, and he still dies a poor man because the expen- the money that he gets from Lake Guadavita does not offset his expenses. Man, you know what would have helped out there? A union. W- would have, oh, would have helped the laborers who died? Yeah. Union, man. Yeah, that, I mean, I guess. There weren't any unions in the 16th century working for Spain. Man, the world would be a different place with more unions, huh? I guess. <laughs> and I wish I could say that that was the end of the podcast, but no. Tom, I have so many more stories. Oh my god, are you fucking serious? Walter Raleigh, an English explorer known for bringing tobacco to England from North America. That nasty tobacco. Uh, fun fact, he was once sent to the Tower of London because he married one of the Queen's ladies-in-waiting. In 1594, Walter Raleigh hears of a mythical city of gold. Mm. El Dorado on the shores of Lake Parime. So he went to South South America with his crew. He attacked a Spanish outpost. Well, first the outpost killed a bunch of his men because they asked about El Dorado. Raleigh captures this Spanish captain and interrogates him. And Raleigh's the kind of the first guy in our story who is pretty friendly with the natives. Like he allies himself. He doesn't kill any of them. 
Betcha he was still super racist, but I mean, yeah, but at least he's not torturing them to death. I guess so. Like lesser of two evils. Yeah. The uh, that same Spanish captain would then go try to find El Dorado himself and get killed by the natives who are now allied with England. Mm. However, Walter Raleigh doesn't really find anything. He returns to England and people just kind of go like, yeah, whatever. Like you found some rocks with like a tiny bit of gold. Whatever, dude. We thought you were finding a city made of the stuff. Yeah. He was kind of stung by this. And he writes this exaggerated, overblown account of his own adventure with the intention of causing new adventurers to seek the wealth of El Dorado in the mystical land of Guyana, oh which is not even where Lake Guadavita is. I mean, like, literally, like, if you were a white person back in the day, like, oh, like, here, I'm going to sell buckets of my own shit. Like, here, and, and now I'm a millionaire. I'm a millionaire. Yep. I shit in a bucket for a living. That's what I do. Raleigh writes the book and then also goes to jail briefly again and then retires with to his house and to his home with his wife. But then, in 1616... He decides to try again, and he goes with his lieutenant, Lawrence Chemis, and his son, Watt, to try to find El Dorado on the shores of Lake Parime. Oh my god, our baby's so beautiful. <laughs> what do you want to call our sweet, precious son? I want to call him Watt. <laughs> I think this baby's ugly as shit. His name's Watt now. Oh, Sir Walter, what have you named your child? Watt Raleigh? Why? What? What's wrong with the name? <laughs> and here's the and here's the thing about this expedition in 1617. Yeah. He goes on with his son and his lieutenant Watt. His son Watt. Watt. <laughs> this expedition does not go so hard. Oh no, is Watt okay? No. Oh no, not what? <laughs> Lawrence, the lieutenant, against explicit orders from Walter Raleigh, attacks a Spanish outpost, something that they were trying not to do. One of their main things that they had to do for this mission was not antagonize the Spanish. So what is Lawrence and what? What do Lawrence and what Lawrence and what do? I couldn't get it out. What do Lawrence and Watt do? Change Watt's fucking name? Nope, they attack a Spanish outpost. Watt dies in the battle. I'm literally crying. Lawrence has to go back to Walter and tell him that his son died in a battle that Walter specifically told them not to do. Lawrence asks him for his forgiveness and Walter doesn't give it. Okay. So Lawrence kills himself. Hey, listen, like... At least you weren't named Watt, Lawrence. Walter, after his son dying and his oh lieutenant God. killing himself, goes back to England and is beheaded for disobeying orders. Holy fucking shit. Cursed family. You know what that is? That's fucking karmic payback for naming your fucking... Your child, your only son, Watt. Where'd Tom. you name him at? Tom, we need to move on. We absolutely do, because if we don't, I'm going to fucking die laughing on this podcast, and you're all going to be party to it. So we, I have I have a few more kind of miscellaneous stories, and there are more expeditions that, w that went to find El Dorado and were never heard from again. They're just apocryphal. Sir Thomas Rowe 
1611, traveled 100 miles up the Amazon River before he ran out of food and had to turn back. Akana and Fritz traveled around Guyana, wrote about it, but found nothing. And they published their memoirs to in with the intention of encouraging more adventurers in 1638. In the mid-1700s, a hundred years later, a government official for Spain named Don Manuel Centurion got hundreds of people killed looking for Lake Parime. And then finally, in 1800, a surveyor named Alexander von Humboldt did a survey of river basins and concluded that maybe there was a Lake Parime once, but it had long since dried up. Lake Parime never existed. That's... It was a thing that they made up for El Dorado to be on the shores of. I can't. Oh my god. How do we not all, like, kill each other? How, like, how do we not, like, destroy ourselves already? It seems unfathomable to me. A hundred years <sighs> after that, a third attempt is made to drain li- Lake Guatavita. Again, though? Like, again, that. Again, though. The attempt is made by a company formed for the sole purpose of draining Lake Guadavita. Literally, the company for the exploitation of the lagoon of Guadavita. They put exploitation in their company name? Yep. They formed this company for the sole purpose of exploiting the wealth of a lake in South America. Oh my god. I can't imagine being that brazen with my horrible, horrible shit. They drain the lake farther than anyone else has to a depth so so that there's only about four feet of mud and slime remaining. Yuck. The four feet of mud and slime made it impossible to explore, and when it got and when it was heated up by the sun, it hardened like concrete. Yeah, well that's what happens when you drain a lake. They found the grand total of about 500 pounds worth of riches from this expedition. The company went bankrupt soon after. Oh, thank God. They found almost nothing but drained the lake to four feet in their attempt to do so. I can't believe the things that human beings have done. Oh, my God. That is the end of this story. On the last note, I would like to say fewer than 20,000 Muisca people are alive in the world today. And draining Lake Guadavita is now prohibited by law. I should certainly fucking hope so. Woo! So I know that I know that these episodes can be kind of a downer. So my plan is to end an episode by after t- telling a big story of incompetence on a grand scale, I'm going to give you a very short story about competence in an absurd way. That's a good idea. Uh, do you know much about landscaping, Tom? Oh, yeah, I know all about landscaping. Like, you know, laying down gravel and, uh, like, hill... I know nothing about landscaping now. Do you, Have you ever heard of the romantic notion of the hermit? You mean, like, a person who lives in a cabin all by themselves and doesn't interact with human beings? Yes, because I practically am that. That is the definition of a hermit, but the romantic notion of a hermit was a bit different. It's, it's a, the exact same thing except the hermit. Super fucking hot. That's not what romanticism is about, Tom. <laughs> That's what you think. <laughs> <laughs> this romantic idea of a hermit, specifically of a cultured hermit, 
specifically has been around for thousands of years, going all the way back to like the Greeks, of a man who lives apart from society, but is he's very well learned and wise, and going to him might solve your problems. And he and also he is super fucking hot. Fucking sure. just chiseled. If you're into like really long gray beards and an unkempt kind of persona, then yeah. Oh, absolutely. So in 18th and 19th century England, landscaping was kind of ridiculous. They had this whole notion where what they would do is they is they would get rid of all the forest and just have good, honest grass for the animals to graze on. Big pits of mud so that they so that it would look like country as God intended it. Even though it's nonsense, they had to clear away forest to do it. Like literally, it's still manicured. They just want it to look kind of rustic darling the grass and the mud looks particularly striking today what was fashionable to do to complete this rustic aesthetic was to install a hermitage on your property a nice little hut in a near a cave or a grotto or on the shores of your pond or just off in a remote part of your grounds where ostensibly a wise cultured romantic hermit could live uh, what the, the, like Hey, <laughs> I, I'm Rick, and I live on the Bentley estate. Don't open that drawer. That drawer is where I put the the pieces of fabric that I jerk off into. What advice do you need from me? Occasionally, they would just leave outside outside the door of the, the hermitage. They just leave, you know, a copy of Aristotle's Poetics and a pair of reading glasses to suggest that a hermit did live here. He was just... He was just out for now, I guess. Oh or maybe he was hiding or something. But he is very wise and very cultured. We just can't see him right now. And occasionally, occasionally they would hire people to be their hermit. Yeah, that's where I figured this was going. Yeah. Hey, I'm dirt. I'm the hermit. I'm hiding in the mud pit. I come in, I come in a drawer and I brush my teeth with my own urine because this is Britain. I don't know why I got this southern accent because this is Britain, but it doesn't matter because this is a comedy bit. Oh, there's, there's, there's another fun fact. The old English accent is very similar to a southern accent. Really? They're very close. Mm-hmm. I'm so Queen he's... Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not that. That may not be so accurate. <laughs> the only thing the hermit had to do was just live out in this in this hermitage, this hut, and just kind of exist and have an unkempt appearance. And occasionally, just to do that, he was paid a higher sum than most, like, of their staff and on these estates. Like, people who did actual work. And occasionally, it would just be a member of their staff who, when they had guests over, would run over to the hut and put on, you know, all the clothes and act the part. Hey, hey, Jert, it's me, Queen Elizabeth. I need you to run to the hut today because the Baroness of Dutchland, Switzerland, I don't know, I don't know where European countries, is coming over today and she might need a little love advice. Tom, you don't seem very clear on the concept of romanticism. Anyway, this, is, this has been your short story of absurd competence. This is how far landscaping was taken among the aristocrats of 18th and 19th century England. Oh, man. <laughs> Tom, thank you for being a guest on my podcast. Thank you for having me, Eric. This has been lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you learned a lot of things. Old people. Mostly about how, mostly about how Europeans' ideals do not typically match up with reality. Fucking idiots. In... 
in <laughs> historical terms. Oh my god. Eric, this podcast is wonderful. Thank you so much for having me on Big Time Whoopsies. Yeah. How do you outro your show? I haven't I haven't uh thought of an outro for my show, but you are welcome to plug stuff before you go. Everybody should listen to the Media Majors podcast, a storytelling podcast about major media, which I co-host. I talk about internet and video games. If you like uh, stories about stuff that you might not be aware of, like uh, the the horny discourse on Twitter or or even more mainstream stuff like that GOP senator who what is the founder of r slash red pill and he's a congressman help me he's a house of representatives member i hate that uh you should check that out my co-host liam senior uh it does stuff about tv and movies uh this is all under the major casts network of which this wonderful podcast is a part of hey check out my games and movie writing on nakedcriticism.com and check out my twitter at thomas lockney l-o-u-g-h-n-e-y all right and my name is eric mcadams you can catch me here on big time whoopsies you can listen to the shmanime podcast another podcast from the major cast network and you can find more of my work on nocharacterissafe.com thank you for listening don't name your kid what Hey, I'm Liam. And I'm Eric, and we host an anime podcast. Hold on, hold on. It's it's funny. I, I don't like anime. And I do like anime. And we watch it, and we review it, and I Well, try I to... review it, and then you derail everything. Yes. Uh, it's called the Shmanime Podcast. It's on the Major Cast Network every other Wednesday. Do we commit to that? When did that happen? Oh, fuck, it's Tuesday, isn't it? <laughs> every other Tuesday. <laughs> on the major cast network or iTunes or wherever you get podcasts. Probably. Thanks for listening to the major cast network. Stay fun, stay nasty, and stay major.